book of Philippians. Yes, you finally made it through Hosea. You never thought you were going to make it out, did you? We're going to be in the book of Philippians. I will say that Hosea was very good for your pastor. I hope it was good for you. Uh, such a great reminder in Hosea to acknowledge God, right? Acknowledge God. Where is he? What is he doing? And recognize him in the things that he's doing. And those, some of those really powerful passages, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't care about your monies. I don't care about your sacrifices. I don't care about your rituals. I want your heart, and I want your heart for other people. We see that real clear. And then you remember last week, what did God do? I love it. <laughs> remember, he bent down like a father, and he picked the child up to his cheek, right? I mean, in Hosea, God is the roaring lion, devouring, and yet he's the father who picks up his child and holds him close, right? Today, if you need God to hold you close, he's that kind of God, too, and he'll do that if you'll reach out with your arms stretched out him well we were um in wednesday night we started the book of philippians and so this has got me going at least for this passage for a few weeks and i hope it'll be encouragement to you so we're going to start there today philippians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 and today we're going to focus on this idea of abounding in love so let's look together first off in the king james version um, verses 9 through 11 and Paul writes, he writes to the church of Philippi. You guys remember who's in the audience, right? It's Lydia, that seller of purple that was down at the river. It's the jailer who was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners were escaping. And Lydia's family and the jailer's family and other people who were coming to Christ, Paul writes these words to them. He says, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. This passage is one of these rich prayer passages. Have you ever prayed scripture over someone? Most of the time in our church, we're Baptist by nature, and so we're not very liturgical. If you're part of a liturgical tradition, maybe like Lutheran or something like that, you might recognize that a lot of times there's these beautifully written prayers, and they're very meaningful. And many times those written prayers are filled with Scripture. But if you walk into most Baptist churches, most of the time when we pray, we just pray what's on our heart, right? Which is good. We want to talk to God from where we're at. But I want to tell you that some of the most powerful prayers that I've ever been around are when people pray through the scriptures over other people. If you remember when we were in COVID, um, Brother David from ICF, ICF met here last night, Indian Christian Fellowship, that's who meets in our church once a month. And David had lost a lot of family in India. I mean, his heart was broken. And he usually is the most jovial and full of joy person that you could be around. But he was hurting. And we came in and sat in this circle. And these Indian Christian ladies started praying scriptures from their memory over David and over his family. And the Lord was in the room. 
I've been to church since before I was born. I went to youth camp, VBS. I went to a Bible college and a seminary. And I couldn't touch what those ladies were doing back then. They were praying the words of God over the people that they loved. So as we visited this on Wednesday night and we ran through this passage again, my heart was just overwhelmed. I'm like, we can't just spend like five minutes on this on one Wednesday night. <laughs> so we're going to take the next few Sundays and look through verses 9 through 11. Here's my challenge to you, okay? Hang with me right here. You can fall asleep after this, but hang with me right now, okay? What I would like for you to do is to pick out somebody from your church family, and I would like for you to pray this prayer over them this week. So don't pick the preacher, but please pray for the preacher. But pick somebody else in the church family that you know, and I want you to look through these verses, and I want you to understand them and know them deeply, and then I want you to pray these things for that person this week. And then we'll be doing the same challenge for a couple of weeks. I'm going to start first off with an illustration from Lynn Anderson. And it's a reminder that sometimes we lose course and we lose passion and we need to get pushed again by the Lord in the right direction. Lynn Anderson writes, about 350 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year, they established a town site. The second year, they elected a government. The third year, the government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into a wilderness. Who needed to go there anyway? Here were people who had the vision to see 3,000 miles across an ocean and overcome great hardships to get there, but in just a few years, they were not able to see even five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision. With a clear vision of what we can become in Christ, no ocean of difficulty is too great, but it, without it, we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. This is morning we were talking, it is easy to get desensitized to the gospel you know, right? Oh, I've heard the creation story a hundred times. Oh, I've heard Noah's Ark. Oh, I've heard three Hebrew boys. <laughs> oh, I've heard about the virgin birth. Oh, I've heard the crucifixion. And you could just let that, almost with a callousness, you can let that stuff roll over you. And the Lord reminds us today to once again renew and refresh ourselves in him. And you know what I heard when everybody was answering that question in Sunday school, which is so hard for me and maybe some of you, you know where they were finding refreshing? In Christ. I can't even hardly stand 30 seconds of quiet. If I sit here quiet and don't say anything for about 30 seconds, some of you will get really uncomfortable, won't you? Right? That's a lot about how our culture has worked on us. But it's amazing when we take a time of rest, we take quiet time with the Lord, how all of a sudden those things that we've heard a hundred times become brand new again. And I want to challenge you, if you will pray this prayer over yourself and over those around you, I think you're going to find a renewal in your spirit. Let me read it to you again, this time from NIV verse 9. 
And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. That's what the Lord would have us experience. I love that Paul is praying this for the people that he loves. Let's look at verse 9, abounding in love, abounding in love. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. What's interesting about the Philippians, Paul already knew they were a loving people. Some of us would be tempted to be like the church of Philippi, check, they're good. I got more to go work on these other people. These guys are fine. <laughs> Again, Lydia was a very uh, intelligent and a very faithful woman. As a matter of fact, Paul went to them first because they were praying. They were already seeking. And then what happened to that Philippian jailer and the change that was orchestrated, not just in his life, but his whole family's life. These were people that proved their love. And later on, we're going to find in Philippians that they demonstrated their love by taking care of Paul and meeting his needs and helping him with his missionary journey. They were one of the very few churches that did so. You guys remember those little red t-shirts that we wear around here, right? Love is not what you say. Love is what you do, right? The Philippians were doers. They were lovers of God and lovers of people. And yet, Paul says, my prayer for you is that your love would abound more and more. That you would be known for your love. He had more for them. And I would tell you today that our Father has more for us. We need to be known for our love. And in order for that to happen, this needs to be a place and a people whose love is abounding. Jesus says this in John 13. <coughs> Excuse me. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen? Right? How are you going to stand out? How are we going to stand out? Is it by the, the most spectacular car show on the planet? Is it by some of the most energetic people who worked in vacation Bible school? Is it the, one of the most simple but beautiful Christmas Eve services on the south side? Why should we stick out? Love. People will know that there's something different when they walk into this place because they will sense the love that you have one for another. I'm not trying to make everybody cry for this morning, but when you could tell how much Vicki loves Todd and Donna, couldn't you, right? That's where her heart is, and her love is there. I know the rest of you guys, too. This needs to be a place where love is real, where love is sensed. When people visit us, they should sense a love for one another. But more importantly, we need to be practicing love for each other. So I give you four very simple things here to think about as your love is abounding. Love is listening, and you can love in listening. This is one of the best things you can do, by the way. Do we have any good listeners here today? Trick question, right? Who are your, some, of your, some of my favorite people on the planet are the people who listen well because they make you feel heard. Have you ever need to be heard? Right? There's times where you just feel like nobody is paying attention and nobody cares and you walk into somebody and they sit down and you, they give you good eye contact and they give you a little bit of feedback, even if that's not their way, and you know that they are paying attention to you. And that's one of the most blessed and beautiful things you can do for anyone 
is allow them to be heard. And I would tell you today, that is love. And it's hard to do that when you're so scheduled out that you can't stop. That's a challenge for the preacher today, right? Lord, help us to love in listening. Here's another one I don't think we think about so much. That is to love and discipline, right? How many of you ever felt that kind of love? <laughs> Diane says she did, <laughs> right? We don't like to talk about this one, but the scriptures are full of this truth and the very idea that God chastens, that he disciplines those he loves. And so when you live in a culture that basically says, we don't want to declare anything to be sin, let everybody be what they want to be. What kind of parents would we be if we said, we'll let our kids do whatever they want to do? Go ahead, touch the hot stove. Go ahead, walk out into the road. Go ahead and try whatever medicine's in the cabinet. That's crazy, right? We know that those things aren't true. And yet, in our spiritual realm, a lot of times, we don't want to confront anyone with truth. But I would tell you today, it's very loving to confront people with truth in love. When you're listening, then you can be part of the discipline. And by the way, you better know how to receive it. Can you receive discipline? That's one of the hardest things for me. If you knew me, you would know my whole personality is built on the idea because I'm a pen, and that is I'm right. My dad gave me that. It was a gift he gave me genetically. Some of you guys may have that same feeling, right? I'm right. And so when someone confronts me and they're like, um, preacher or people at work, even Travis, are you sure about? Well, yeah. And I have to pause and I have to step back and I have to humble myself and remember that usually those people, they're trying to exercise love even in discipline. I challenge you today, nobody wants the discipline because everyone says, well, I'm not someone to speak up. Look at my life. Love in discipline. Love in leading. We need people who will step up. Do you know how encouraging it is for you just to pray a prayer for lunch or breakfast or supper? That's leading, right? People see that, and the people around are like, oh, there's other Christians in the room. <laughs> okay, I can stand up. I can be strong. And we need people who would do that. And then the last one is, oh, I want to remind you of this here is that love and learning. And this is this idea of abounding love. You may think you have it figured out, and you're good. I really appreciated Paul all the time. I appreciate Paul, but on Friday, it was really good. He's like, I've walked this road a long time, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing, and I've still got to abound even more in love. It doesn't stop. We need to grow in love. And I want you to pray this prayer over your friends, over your church family, that our love would abound more and more. And then most importantly, where do we need our love to abound? We need our love to abound for the Lord himself. Let me read you this from Amy Carmichael. This is very good. Amy Carmichael, very famous missionary. She says, I believe that if we are to be and to do for others, what God means us to be and to do, we must not let adoration and worship slip into second place. For it is the central service asked by God of human souls, and its neglect is responsible for much lack of spiritual depth and power. She goes on just quickly, perhaps we may find here the reason why we so often run dry. We do not give time enough to what makes for depth. And so we are shallow, a wind, quite a little wind can ruffle our surface, 
a little hot sun and all the moisture in us evaporates. It should not be so. Did you hear what she said? What do you need to make sure that doesn't get take second place? Adoration and worship. Well, that sounds good, but no, preacher, I got a lot to do. We can even spiritualize this, right? Well, I, I've got to get ready for homeless. You know what I need? We're going to have a, a little uh, a pitch in here after a while. I don't really have time right now. To, to, I need to get in there and make sure everything's ready to get to go to hand out. Remember the Martha Mary complex, right? Martha's like, I got to take care of stuff. I got to get the house clean. I got to get the vacuum out. I get the things dusted. We got company coming. And what's Mary doing? What's Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Knowing him, learning him, understanding him. And Martha, what do you think Martha's thinking? I tell you what Martha's thinking, because I'm just like Martha. Would you get up, Mary? We got so much to do. Why am I the one who's always mowing the ditch? Oh, wait, wait, that was a different message. Michael shared that this week, and I've been there before too. That feeling of like, why am I the one who's doing all the work, all the cleaning, all the prep? Why am I the one who's trying to get ready for homeless ministry or VBS or car show? Why am I the one doing this? And God says, you don't need to be the one doing all this. Sit down. Sit at my feet. Worship me. Adore me. I'll take care of those things. Are you hearing the Lord speak today? Maybe he's just talking to me. We need to never let adoration and worship slip into second place. When they do, that's when we start to get calloused. So again, love, abound more and more. Love with knowledge. Hear me out today. Again, not me. Hear the Lord today. Real love is rooted in truth. Can I say that again? Real love is rooted in truth. We need to love, but love with a solid understanding. A love that is more than just something you have heard about, but something you understand in your experience. We need to pray for each other that our love will be more than just a feeling, but it will be love prompted by the truth of the Holy Spirit and the very words of God. You know this from your way you relate to your spouse, right? I could tell Mrs. Penn, oh, I love you. And say, oh, you're beautiful. I love you. And you know what really helps Mrs. Penn know that I love her? If the dishes are clean. I love you. I love you. Did you vacuum the floor? Right? There's some depth when I know her. I know how she thinks. I know what's important to her. And when I value those things and I do for her, then she knows that I love her. Love is rooted in truth and experience. It's not just a head knowledge. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a feeling in your marriage or in your relationship. And it's not just a feeling with the Lord. Love is about knowledge. We want to love in such a way that we are prompted by the Spirit of God, the very words of God. We want to worship Jesus in obedience, and we want to love as he loves. And in order to love with knowledge, we need to know the truth. Let me flip this on you. I think it'll help you understand just for a second. What's it mean to love without knowledge? What's it to love without knowledge? Um, maybe you've heard something like this. Well, I just want to love people. I don't really want to confront anyone. A lot of us aren't confronters anyways, right? But that's not love with knowledge. 
Love without knowledge may be something like this. I know the Bible may say something about this, but do I really need to know what the Bible says? If I'm just nice to other people, isn't that good enough? You've probably been around some people like that, right? If I'm kind, if I'm considerate, if I'm nice, then, I, then I'm loving, and that's really the most important thing, isn't it? Well, those are good things, but love has got to be grounded in truth. Real quick, do you remember the woman caught in adultery, right? This is one of the scariest and most frightening stories in Scripture. This woman is with a man who is not her husband. And the religious leaders of the town, they come in and they catch on to the scene. And they take the woman out. And what are they going to do to the woman? Do you remember? They're going to get rocks, literally stand her up. They're going to kill this woman with stones because she's an adulteress. And she is sleeping with a man that is not her husband. And of course, Jesus walks on the scene. And you remember what he does? What does he say? He doesn't say a thing. <laughs> first, at first, he starts writing, doesn't he? He starts writing. And we all wonder, what did he write? I sure would love to know, wouldn't you? What did he write down there? And the scriptures say that one by one, all of those people who were going to stone that woman caught in adultery, they all left. And then it was Jesus and the woman. Now think about this with me for a second. Jesus could have said, I'm sorry they did that to you. They were so wrong on what they were trying to do. Go have a great day. But he didn't quite say that, did he? What did he say? In love, what did he say? He said, go and sin no more love and truth love is truth love with knowledge now as you're praying for your people this week you pray for them well, i'm gonna pray for ray and ida i'm gonna pray lord that they would abound in love that as they're around other people where they live that people will just sense their love of you but i pray that they would know what is right that they would know what to do and how to serve. And they would really find your leading where you go and, or that their love would be based in the, the truth of your word, not in just a feeling. Please do something amazing in their love this week. Pray for them. These are beautiful people. You gotta pray for them a lot, <laughs> right? Let your love be in knowledge, not love without knowledge. And then he says, finally, this morning, where we're gonna end up today is we need to love with, discernment we not only need to love with knowledge but we need discernment in our love verse 10 what a great verse here that you may approve the things that are excellent or the things that are best this is where so many of us need the prayers of our brothers and sisters everybody in here can do good things but can we do the excellent things the best things the right things we need a discerning love a love that is able to make the best choice, a love that is guided by the very Spirit of God. And praying for our brothers and sisters is one way that we can love each other. By the way, Paul made a very similar statement in Romans chapter 12. Some of you guys probably have this memorized. Romans 12, verse 2. I want you to see, again, this idea of choosing the best things. Do you ever have a hard time choosing the best things? Do you live in a world of choice today? How many flavors of Oreos are there? They have pumpkin spice Oreos. The world, it's just done, isn't it? It's like, let's just quit. 
What is this? There's so many choices. Even in your Christian life, there's a lot of choices, isn't there, right? Should I go? You could go to the jail. I have today. This is so awesome. I wish we could all go. At, at this afternoon in Pendleton, they're having a celebration service for Kairos. There were 42 guys from the outside who went and they met with 42 guys on the inside. And they've spent all weekend together. And I know, because I've been there, I know what's happening to those guys on the inside. It's incredible. You could go be part of that. But you could also go to Servant's Heart today, couldn't you? Or you could go to the nursing home. Or you could go town, downtown like we do once a month and help the homeless. There's so many good things you could do. But the question is, do the excellent thing. And that's where it's hard, isn't it, right? Even with your money, there's so many things you could give towards, right? But do the excellent thing. Do the best thing. How am I going to know that? I need to be able to hear the Spirit of the Lord. And this is my prayer for us. Lord, let me hear your voice so that, that I'm doing the best thing that I need to do, so that Todd's doing what he needs to do, and Ray's doing what he needs to do, and Paul's doing what he needs to do. Let's do the excellent things, but we've got to pray for one another to do that. Well, look in Romans chapter 12. Another way to help us, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Don't you love how Paul describes that? Good, pleasing, perfect. That's what God has for you. It's beautiful. But if you want to know that, two simple things there. First off, don't conform. Do we have any conformers in the room today? Some of you are like, I am definitely not a conformer. Whatever they're doing, I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> but some of you just can't stand to, to stand out, right? What's everybody else wearing? I better have that. I want to be out of style. What's everybody else driving? What phone is everybody else's pocket? I just got to fit in, right? Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? Renew your mind. And the way you do that is to be in the word of God, be with the people of God, be in the presence of the Lord, get those quiet moments that we talked about this morning, and then the renewing will come. A discerning love is one that refuses to conform to how the world defines love, but how God defines it. Amen. <laughs> the world doesn't define love. The creator does. Let's do what he tells us to do. So instead of receiving the world's definition of truth, your life can be transformed when you let God's word renew your mind. When you are practicing your faith, your dependence upon God, the sharing of your testimony, your service to other people, you'll get better at discerning the excellent things and then you'll be able to test, as Paul says, or to approve God's perfect, pleasing, good will. All right, last illustration this morning from Emily Smith. This is to kind of provoke you, so hang on there with me just a second. She says, over the last 50 years, while society has been growing more and more prosperous and individualistic, our social connections have been dissolving. Emily from the Atlantic describes the price for our social disconnection. She says, we volunteer less. We entertain guests at our homes less often. We are getting married less. We are having fewer children, and we have fewer and fewer close friends with whom we'll share the intimate details of our lives. We are denying our social nature and paying a price for it. Over the same period of time that social isolation has increased, our levels of happiness have gone down 
while the rates of suicide and depression have multiplied. I don't think I could go pull all kinds of stats, but I think you guys would know we live in a society that's much more filled with, filled with anxiety than ever before. You agree with that? You guys, we deal with first and second graders who have legitimate anxiety issues. There wasn't anything like that when I was young, not to the numbers we have today. It's crazy. And yet here's what I want to tell you. In the midst of a place and a people that are filled with anxiety and hurt and sometimes even despair, the Lord puts a church that should have an abounding love. And what happens when abounding love fills a space that is filled with fear and, and anxiety? What does perfect love do in this good? <laughs> it casts out the fear. Amen? We need to be a people that have love abounding. Let me brag on you just a second this morning. We have a loving church. Amen? We have people who will sacrifice for one another because you've demonstrated. We have a people who want to worship, but I, as your preacher, want to see your love abound more and more. And I want to remind you, the world around us is desperate to see a love that is abounding. And part of that way to that place involves us praying for one another and for yourself. So the conclusion is so simple today. I want you to pick either one or two of your church family members, and here's what I want you to consider for this week. First, pray that their love would abound. Some people in our church family, they're going through hard times or discouragement. Uh, some may be even battling legitimate depression. And pray that God would help the love that is in them to overflow and abound. And then today, pray for one another that our love will be grounded in the truth. Not in our opinions, especially not in our feelings. Oh, man, feelings are so deceptive, aren't they? Pray that our love is grounded in the truth. And then pray this. Pray that we can discern the excellent things. Could you imagine if we all did the excellent things? What God would do in our families, in our communities, even in our country, if all the Christians prayed and did the excellent things? Pray that for one another. Most of all, most of all, pray that our first love for worshiping and adoring Jesus will be fresh and will be thriving. Let's stand this morning. Thank you so much for your attention. But again, I just challenge you, turn your Bible to Philippians this week. Look in verse 9, 10, and 11. Pick on somebody in your church family. Pray those verses over them. And I tell you, it will be an encouragement.